This week's episode of the UXR podcast is once again brought to you by Lookback. There's a bunch of different ways you can use Lookback to fit in with your research practice, from live moderated testing, unmoderated testing that people can do from the comfort of their own homes, or even some in-person testing. If you're interested in learning more about their product, go to lookback.io demos to check out some recordings of how their product works and how you might be able to use it yourself. Once again, check out lookback.io demos for more info. Hey there, Alec here again. On this week's episode of the UXR podcast, we're interviewing Beth Toland. She's head of experience research at Asana. They make software to make work better for all of us. We talk about a bunch of different things, and in particular, why she decided to name her team the experience research team and not the research team or the UX research team or any of the other options that she could have gone with. Beth is one of those really thoughtful research leaders, and I know you're going to learn a lot from our interview. Hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. My name is Alec Levin. I am the host of the UXR podcast. And today I am very excited to be joined by Beth Toland. She's head of experience research at Asana. And uh, we've got a lot that we're going to talk about here. <laughs> we're going to cover a few topics in particular. We got uh, talk about why she named her team the way she named it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about scaling research, about researching work and the complexities involved in that. But um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Beth. Hey, Alec, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So I, uh, we've got to start with the most obvious piece, which is I don't think I've ever seen a research team of any size call itself an experienced research team. It's usually a UX research team, a user research team, maybe just a research team. But you guys pick something different. So... Was there any thought behind that? Yeah, there was. And it's funny that you that you say, oh, you know, start with the most obvious thing is that I'm I'm not sure if people do pick up on that, but it is very intentional. Um, so my thought process behind that was um, I want our team to be thought of as problem solvers and uh, as um, studying a complete set of information, both for the company, um, about our customers or potential customers. Um, so I think about it as a full experience, as an end to end thing. Um, and I think that's the other thing I'm hoping it conveys is that a lot of times when, um, when people come to teams like ours, you know, they have a very specific question. They say, answer this question, which is often about a point in time or a very specific situation. And I want us to keep in mind that there's a before and an after and and, and all around. So there's a dimensionality to the problem. So um, we well, I came in and it was UXR and I'm still I'm still trying to banish the U from our um, from our name. Uh, but that was the intention is for us to help um, communicate the dimensionality of of the work that we do because if people come in from out of side of the company and they are familiar with other type teams that are user research or research, I don't want them to come in with that baggage. I want them to understand the hmm. thing that we offer. Very interesting. Does uh, this idea of of 
keeping in mind the before and after of every research project that's done. Is there a way that, that you sort of as leading this function try to enforce either uh, explicitly or implicitly with your team that, hey, it's not a complete piece of work unless you're considering that before and after. So you've, you've taken this step from a sort of semantic level in terms of how you're naming your team. How does that cascade down into actions that you're going to take internally in your team? Yeah. So one thing that we've done is that it's in our success guide. So if you look at our career success guide for our team, it explicitly calls out that we are experts at at looking at the before and the after. So we look at a complete picture. So we hold ourselves to that standard. um, And it comes out in um, the methodologies that we consider. It comes out in the way we coach each other. to think about like, okay, so you have this, you have this situation. Um, did you think about like asking it in this other different way that, um, is less time bound or that isn't attached to this particular, um, instance of the question? I think that's the other thing, right? Is like making sure that the question is right. Because again, like what I was saying before is that people will often come to teams like ours, not just my team, but teams like ours with a very specific question. And I think another way that we think about the before and the after and that dimensionality is to constantly pull back. I was like, what about that question? And what about that situation? And what about so that the question is big? You know, the counter to that is right that um, you don't make it, you don't get so big and blown out that it's distracting or you're going down a path that's not um, that's not going to yield interesting insights fast. Interesting. That that sounds like okay. So you, you've got a, a, a sort of guidelines on how to put this into practice. Obviously, there's there's another piece to it outside of strictly your research team, which is all the other people you work with, right? And so uh, you know you can't just change your research team without that having impact and influence elsewhere. Is there a way that you've thought about navigating the sort of implicit cultural change that you're hoping to instill in the rest of your team in terms of like thinking about that broader experience? Like it's not that one point in time, it's the whole thing. How do, how do, have you coached your researchers and how to better collaborate with other members of the team that maybe have to come around to that point of view? Totally. So there are a few things. I'm really proud of the culture that we have at Asana with the research um, designers, the PMs, and the engineers. They're very involved. Um, definitely, there are times when our team is leading the conversation in um, in these kinds of questions and uh, discovery, uh, but they're very involved. So like I mentioned before, um, definitely our researchers do some coaching in that to like, what is like ways that we think about doing that are getting out into the field. And then it's almost obvious, right? It's just like, it's not just about that single question. It's about all the things that you're noticing. Um, Another way is frameworks. So there are plenty of frameworks um, that, um, that you can uh, put into place for how you think about, you know, the environment, the people, the, um, Actors, like all those types of things, frameworks is another way to um, help people latch on to something who maybe aren't used to this way of thinking. And then it forces a kind of a rigor in looking for, for all of these other dimensions to a question. And then I guess another thing that's top of mind, the way that we're thinking about this is that we have a, 
a regular uh, meeting that we call product forum. It's where all our design uh, learning plans, specs all kind of come through um, the product leadership and really drawing out what those experiences look like in a very literal way. So we might be changing this one particular piece, but we're asking like, what are the five, seven and 10 steps that come before and after so that we can string that whole process together. And the, um, we have one of our pillars is the workflow pillar, and they've been doing a really amazing job of the way before and the after. So that gives us a more complete picture. Um, those are some of the things that, that we've got going right now. So that's, that's interesting. I feel like, and this is a nice little segue here, but I feel like the decision to call it the experience team, um, there's the way you're, the reason you call it what you call it, uh, there's an implicit sort of here's here's the different way that we look at research work. It's not a moment in time. It's not a small project or whatever it is. It's it's almost like it's a philosophy mm-hmm. of how to understand people, and that seems to inherently kind of tie in with this idea of scaling a research department or practice across an entire organization. Because you know if you look at your work as a researcher as like a single project here and there, just focused on a moment in time, then you are sort of not much more than a service provider. You know, you, you could be, you know, uh, you could, you, you're providing like operational support, but you're not actually directly involved in the production of something creative and new necessarily. So, a lot of the things it sounds like that you just mentioned, it, it really does touch on like this idea, I think, of scaling. So how, you know, when you think about uh, Asana and the complexity of what you work on, how do you, what are the considerations that are going into the scaling part of, of the company and your work? Yeah, that's so relevant right now for us <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. you know, our company, I feel like I'm asking you an impossible question, <laughs> right? It just billows and like, and then there's this thing over here and this thing over here. We, it's a, it's a very timely for us because as we speak, we're interviewing and, and growing the team, like essentially doubling our team. Wow. Yeah. So we'll go where, where, at where, five. where can, wait, real quick, let's put in a plug. Where can we go if we're interested in maybe checking out some of your opportunities? Yeah, go, you should go to the website asana.com and um, there'll be a careers page and um, look up for the experienced researchers. Um, we've got five. There's, there's one in New York. We got one in Vancouver, uh, a couple in San Francisco. So um, yeah. Okay, check it out. good. So, <laughs> you know, check that out, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Um, so... So some of the considerations that you were asking me is the velocity of growth, right? Can the team right now handle an influx of new people? Um, that's that's a really tough thing. You know, you've got demand, which is great that, that we're in demand, um, but there's always contraction before there's an expansion when you add more people, right? It's you slow mm. down with... Um, contraction of like capabilities yeah. while you absorb that new person? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. because it, it takes time to onboard to a new company and to the team culture and all that kind of stuff. And then as we do that, like we're going to learn stuff like what does it mean to operate with this different set of people? We can't have thought of all the things. And so we need to also evolve our our thinking and our processes, too. So how we handle that contraction of, of delivery 
in order to expand it exponentially is a thing that I think about the pressure on the team um, to be able to deliver the things that they want to be able to deliver and and that contraction, right? There's pressure right now because um, to be very you know tactical, uh, there are times when we're in interviews for a really long time. That means we're not doing the research that we right. want to be doing. That can get frustrating for the team. Um, mm. The dynamics. So, so in essence, you're saying by the time, by the time your team is feeling overwhelmed or the time they're feeling at 100% capacity, sort of by definition, you're kind of behind the ball already, <laughs> right? And it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, yeah. And so, one thing that we're doing to combat that is, I'm creating a function that we've had a an ops type of role, but honestly, I think I would looking back. I would say that's probably more of a coordinator role that we've had. And going forward, we're really going to embrace, you know, the new world of uh, of ops and scaling because that's really what it is. I mean, there's just so much potential and value in that role. We're going to create a function out of it. So moving one of the researchers over there to lead that function, um, it'll be her and another um, another person that we're, that we're going to bring on is a way that we're combating that. But yeah, I mean, it's about the capacity of the team and then the changing dynamics of the team of bringing new people on. How do the things that they were working on change and evolve and managing that fear of like, will I still get to do the the cool work? Will there still be enough um, cool and interesting um, things for me to work on, which, you know, you and I are talking about, this is a never ending um, set of, of interesting topics. But those are all I guess then the last one big thing that I think about when I think about scale is, so that was all about the team. Then I think about the impact that we can have on the company and that's critical to staying viable and doing the kind of work that I think is really important that I, I love and that I think the team loves um, is having business impact and making sure that people understand that we're experienced researchers. We're not just usability testers, which is a super important role, but we there, uh, there's more, um, to the team. Um, and so those are kind of the, the, that's what's on my mind when I think about the complexities of, of scaling. I think you, you touch on something super interesting there that I think broadly speaking, research as a discipline right now really hasn't caught on to yet. It hasn't fully embraced the importance of it, which is the business aspect piece, right? You know, at the end of the day, if we're not having the 10x impact that, you know, other member people, coworkers we have, other people uh, we work with have, you know, again, like you said, it's just not a viable discipline in a lot of companies. So, you know, as you think about sort of scaling up, you obviously have to, and you scale your headcount, the expectation I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the impact will scale, you know, at that 10x rate as you add your 20th, 30th, 40th, 50th person. So when you think about, um, as you, how do you think about the business aspect piece uh, as it comes to scaling are there people that you're working really closely with in the organization to sort of figure that out or to provide like critical inputs? Um, yeah. Can you like unpack that particular piece for us? Yeah. So I, I report to the head of product who is an incredibly huge ally, which is 
rather unusual, I think, in this space. Where, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I very much like it. He's an incredibly huge supporter of, uh, of the research work that we do. And he, you know, we follow the kind of the typical double diamond approach. And he's always encouraging us, like, move further up. Make sure that you're answering the hardest, toughest, most um, impactful questions and giving me the resources uh, to be able to do that. So um, I think he's probably my biggest ally um, uh, and conspirator in how we do this. I also meet with um, the head of business on a regular occasion to understand what's on his mind, how he feels like that we could be leveraged. So I stay in touch with our senior leadership team to understand what they think would be um, most impactful. So then, I, then we can make decisions as a team on how to guide our work. And then I also um, connect. We have pillars, like I mentioned, pillar leads and um, PMs lead those pillar leads or those uh, pillars. And I, I talk to them to see like what's on their mind. Where do they feel that we could be most leveraged? And we, you know, they're really great allies as, for us as well. It's inter- I feel like there's actually a dual benefit to that approach there, which is one, obviously you're acquiring sort of critical intelligence to run your function, but at the same time, you're achieving, uh, say, I'll use a word I hate using, but (laughs) a lot of buy-in, right? Uh, Um, Because you're bringing them into the process. Um, Do you find that when you're having a conversation with these other sort of like executives that they are interested in digging into some of those details around sort of how you're thinking about researching different problems um, or is it really for them like a, this is what I need to figure out. Can you help me? Please go do that and let me know what you find out. No, it's more collaborative. So I think people are, are interested in how we do that. And I think some of it is because I, I think the questions that I will say that our team can go after might be unusual because they are coming from other types of teams or other experiences. And I'm pretty much like, if you have a question or a problem, you come to my team. We can figure it out. Mm. We can, you know, (laughs) if it's a qualitative, because, you know, we're the qualitative team. But there's so much that I think that we can know um, through my team. Mm -hmm. And so they'll say, you know, well, I'm wondering how people feel about this. I'm wondering, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we can totally figure that out. And so then it's a conversation of just like, really? Okay. Uh, Well, let's talk about this. Could I also know this? Well, what if, what if this? (laughs) It essentially opens up the possibility for discovering more, um, did, Which is really did that cool. sense of curiosity? Did that sense of curiosity around the uh, uh, sort of permeate the company before you got there, or is this something that you've sort of had to work on fostering over a period of time? You know, I I am so fortunate that I came in very early, and it was always like this. Ne- oh, that's great. Never have I ever had to. And that's, <laughs> I mean, I have in other companies, but not here. I mean, yeah. When I came in there, it was like two PMs. One of them had just gotten hired. I think there's four designers and a bunch of eng, uh, and that was it. And 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 me, the mm-hmm. researcher. So I think that just goes to show how much they value um, insight. And again, it's not just sort of of like what do customers want. It's just like under understanding the world of collaboration and and all that. Mm-hmm. And so their questions were always big. Right. So I've just that's that's a thing that I haven't had to do here. I mean, so so. 
this is another kind of, I, I wonder how much this is a consequence of the nature of the problem that Asana is trying to solve um, in the sense that with, I feel like with some companies, at least as you achieve a certain level of success and scale, the, at least the, a lot of the obvious hard research problems can kind of go away over time. Um, you know, if you're making, I don't know, an, an email application, you know, you might focus a lot of time on like, why do people send emails and how do they read them and how do they receive them? But at some point in time, maybe the problems become more, uh, my, uh, more, more related to the minutia than the fundamentals. But with Asana, because you guys are focusing on work and there's a plethora of types of people that work in various different ways and everybody's always, you know, at least for the more internally driven folks, they're always looking to do more and accomplish more, which means every time you solve a problem for them from a work efficiency point of view, a new problem by definition will pop up, <laughs> right? To fill the space of like, well, how am I going to get better next? How do you, so how do you think through success in your role when you know that there's never going to be an end to the big questions um, and where everything you do is sort of buried in this like enigma wrapped in a mystery <laughs> of complexity. <laughs> yeah, that it's thrilling. And I feel like I've, you know, have had that realization that there's always more, I think, kind of like two big times in my career at Asana. Like I, you know, I've been in, I've researched healthcare, I've researched um, uh, um, banking and travel and retail, all, all kinds of things. This is by far the most complex thing. And yeah, it was sort of the opposite of the way I think we all usually experience it is, is that we've gotten uh, a good handle on some of these very tactical things and then it's just getting, getting bigger. Um, and the, the problem's getting more complex, but the thing is, is that they are, um, the, que the questions ev um, evolve and we do get a handle at some point on enough that keeps us going. And not so much so that there's like, Oh my gosh, this is just never ending. We're never going to get anywhere. We do make mm -hmm. progress and we do learn more and it is very exciting. And then, so then there's like another opportunity to solve another um, challenge. And that's what I think keeps it exciting as opposed to like this never ending, like we're never going to get anywhere. Every time we open up a door, there's another door. We're never getting out kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. We do so we do feel like we get answers to to challenges and questions, and then that creates in some cases like um, we want to move more in that direction where it feels satisfying enough that we can turn our attention to a different problem. There's just right. so many um, things in this space that make it uh, exciting to be able to move on. But I I, I don't feel defeated yet that they're in fact I feel invigorated <laughs> and excited. Right. And it feels good to me to be able to tell the team, hey, look, our, um, 
because it is, I think it's a very common thing that where you're just like, nope, you're going to figure out all the big questions and then there's just going to be nothing more. Um, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, they just yeah. keep coming. And I remember having a recent conversation with the team just being like, it's working. Like it's happening. We're yeah. arming the, the rest of uh, the product door to do more of their evaluative work, which frees us up to do more of the generative um, and foundational work. And the hits just keep coming. And so it's, it's been super fun. Well, that's like super exciting. <laughs> uh, I think I think for a lot of researchers um, out there who are dying to get their hands on some more foundational generative work, um, I think I, I I hope it's not the case that that you're the exception and not the rule. I, I feel like your experience maybe is more um, is more of what most people can expect as they dig into that generative work, which is you know big foundational pieces of research beget new big foundational pieces of research. And there's always that next level to take it to. I think with, with yours, it's uh, with the work at Asana, it's just inherently more complex and messy is, is like, because of that is resilience uh, something that's critical in terms of what you look for when you bring people onto your team because of the nature of things changing all the time, because, you know, there are pieces that will be picked up for a while, work will be done, it'll go to a satisfactory place, then you might have to stop with that work, maybe you come back to it in the future, you know, maybe this is uncharted territory. Um, is that kind of a sort of foundational characteristic that you look for in a lot of the folks that you bring onto your team? I think resilience is a great, is a great um, characteristic. I think the way it manifests for me is um, like being deeply curious for and hungry for tough problems. And by mm -hmm. nature, I think you'll be resilient, right? Because um, you're going to pull a thread and pull a thread and there's going to be more and more. Um, and, and, you know, as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking like, gosh, I, it's on the one hand, the nature of the company that begets all these tough problems, but it's also the nature of the researcher who mm -hmm. has the eye, who knows, you know, that there's more, um, who's looking out for those big, tough, gnarly problems. It's not just coming from me. A lot of these, mm -hmm. these things are coming from the researchers themselves. And so, yeah, I think that is a very important, you know, quality to look at. I, there's one researcher in particular that I, I remember her, uh, you know, talking to one of her references and they were like, you know, she likes really tough, big, gnarly problems. And every once in a while I'll, I'll <laughs> joke with her. I'll be like, well, you know, I hear you like big, <laughs> tough, gnarly problems. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, for sure. I, you know, being able to be um, resilient is, is, you know, is a great word. Um, but being able to know, um, to look for these, pro these problems and questions and be hungry to go after them. Great. Um, I mean, I think that's that's a really uh, that's a really cool way to look at sort of empowering your team in terms of looking for people who are that fundamentally curious and resilient and hardworking that they want to bring those challenges to you rather than a top down approach. I think that's like really really cool. Um, and on that note, I'd love to sort of shoot some questions at you from our audience uh, that we sourced through our Slack community. Um, so we got three for you. Uh, we'll try and rapid fire-ish them. Does okay. that sound okay? Yeah, I'll be as rapid okay. as I can. 
<laughs> no, no. Not nature, Take your but time. I'll have it a Take your time. <laughs> the questions are rapid fire. The answers okay. need not be so rapid okay. fire. Um, so the first one is, um, you know, obviously it's very uh, prescient given the times, which is how do you keep your team feeling connected and motivated, uh, especially when you know right now most of us can't necessarily, in you know, co-inhabit the same work place. Uh, we, we're not seeing each other, you know, at the water cooler, if you will. Um, and it's harder to celebrate wins when you're sort of not together. So is there something that you've been thinking a lot or a few things that you've been thinking a lot about to help keep the team connected and excited about the work that they're doing, even during these unprecedented times? Yeah, this is a tough one. I, this is something that is constantly evolving. From um, I feel like I always want to try new stuff to make sure that um, you know we're we're following the direction and the heart of of the team as we grow and we grow in different cities. Um, you know how we how I and how each other recognizes the work that we're doing is really important. Um, you know, obviously we're on Slack. Um, and so calling each other out, I think I mentioned earlier, we have this product forum meeting where, um, work comes to leadership. Those can be tough meetings, you know, it's high stakes, um, really acknowledging when, when work has been done well is, is very gratifying because everybody has been through that experience. And so if, if, you know, Abby comes out and it's been a really great, um, product form or, you know, I'll say it's like, Hey, awesome work on product, product form. All the researchers are like, nice work. Oh my gosh. And I think <laughs> the spirit of like, Hey, we know how that can be kind of, um, kind of tough. Um, the other things that we do are, um, team meetings, uh, which we try and keep. And again, this is sort of an evolving thing. It was like me trying to bring things that I know are in the rest of the company that have um, will have impact on the work that we're doing so that they feel connected to the leadership. We have crits mm-hmm. uh, that we try and um, that we work with each other on different um, and that's on uh, that's async as we say in Asana uh, and also in person like in our meetings. Um, it's called a themes thread and truth meeting where we see the our work migrate from what was a uh, the inklings of a little idea into what we think is starting to become a theme. And then we use each other's input. Um, we try and sit in each other's sessions, but I mean, you know, that's obviously impossible, but, um, we use this meeting to, um, to further each other's thinking on an inkling of an idea. And if that mm-hmm. helps, and they basically are using the, the, um, strength of the team and, and the connection of the team to fortify until it hopefully becomes a truth someday. It's sort of a little bit of like the, the, um, Bill becoming a law cartoon from like a long time ago. <laughs> um, That's an incredible reference. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. So is, then, is that kind um, of like, is, yeah. so if, if I can interrupt is, so it, yeah. is it that you've got some of the institutions that you've kind of created within your research team are kind of reinforcing that connection, even when you're apart, is that kind of the, the theme there? Yes. And the last last one is we do a, a, a summit twice a year where all the researchers come mm. together. And there we establish um, or reestablish uh, the way we want to work. Like, what are the truths that we believe in? How, what are the biggest problems we feel like we should? What's getting on our way? So then that creates mm-hmm. an operating 
system for us mm -hmm. to continue and be connected to. So it's like both the rituals and cadences of the things, which is the thing that you were um, uh, mentioning, and then the systems by which we operate that we have mm. to revisit. Um, but again, all those things are, are always a work in progress as the team grows and we've, the, 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 um, the shape of, of the team grows and we'll try and evolve that. But that, those are some of the mechanisms that are in place right now for keeping the team connected. That's super forward thinking. Maybe perhaps you did, you didn't expect to plan for an epidemic, but it seems <laughs> like it's probably going to have some <laughs> <laughs> positive effects yeah, uh, given the circumstances. So the next one I've got for you, question two, thinking back to your own, uh, your own background. So whether that's sort of like the educational background that you have, maybe some of your work experience from the past, what's like one part of that that's been particularly helpful to you um, throughout your research career? Like, is there a little story, a nugget, an experience that has sort of really defined how you look at the work that you do? Yes. And uh, you happened to mention it earlier, which is the, the importance of business in the uh, work that we do as researchers um, and, and design. Like I am by uh, trade as a designer um, and I had a fantastic mentor who um, I learned how important of a role design plays in business and that just really changed my world. I went to, you know, design school and I was making portfolios and I was making art, you know, I wasn't really thinking, um, like this, but you know, she really elevated my thinking to how important of a role design can play. And then my second mentor who was a research mentor also reinforced that. And basically, you know, both of them were essentially saying like, look, if you can't speak the language, if you don't understand what's happening, you're never going to have a seat at the table. They'll never take you mm. seriously. Um, so mm. <laughs> get, get, get to know how that world works and your, your work will matter and you'll understand how to make it matter. And that has been singularly the most important thing. That, um, mm, that's something I, uh, I feel like that, that little bit of experience is in no small part how you ended up running an entire research team <laughs> at one of tech's most important software companies. So well, thank you, Leah that's a Rachel. really good lesson <laughs> to take away. <laughs> yeah, for all you researchers out there <laughs> aspiring to run your own teams, take heed. Um, <laughs> last question for you. Um, and this is also somewhat related to the times that we're in currently, but, you know, realistically, there's really not a ton of people doing your job in your role right now. Um, I think probably most of them are concentrated in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I believe you're based out of, but it's kind of not, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're probably taking a machete and whacking some bushes as you try and sort of like navigate your way from town to town. Um, is there a support system that you've put in place for yourself? Um, and if there is like, what, what does that look like for you and why, why does it look that way? You are so right. I feel like I, it's taken me a while to get to the point that I am now that I feel like I have a, I really do feel like I have a good system, but that last piece only just fell into place for me 
about a month ago. So it's sort of three pronged one. There's, I work with a, um, a personal professional coach, like a professional coach, which just me, um, you know, to work on things like, you know, um, my feedback skills or, um, you know, how I'm coaching the team. So that there's that particular part that's been really helpful. Um, then I, a number of years ago, someone mentioned to me the idea that he has a, uh, a professional board uh, that, help, <laughs> <laughs> that he put together, to, yeah, to help him uh, in his in his career. And he said it, you know, as people inside the industry and outside of the industry, and it's about three to five people that he uses to lean on to bounce ideas off of um, and and grow. And those two things have been really helpful. But what I was missing is someone who had the very same kind of professional experience as like, no, but what is it like for a research leader in a company to have, to experience this thing? I just was missing that. So, um, a colleague and I put together, um, a UX or research, um, leadership roundtable. And so they're the leaders of some other companies that are like ours, um, where we are getting on and talking about these big problems. And it's that's been so cool because honestly, I feel like in some ways I've, I've thought like, gosh, I'm, I surely am the only one who must be having this problem. Everybody else must be further along. It turns out that's not true. Um, and so literally this has only just been in the last couple of months where I think that third piece has fell into place for me. And I think that what's working about it for me, I think was your other question is, is that it, that, that, um, set of things, there's like, me as an individual and making sure that I'm getting that kind of like individual focus, the perspective that the board would give me of a diverse set of inputs, and then the very specific um, kind of experience that can almost only come from people in your uh, particular domain feels like it's rounded out for me. So, um, so, so I've been pretty pleased with that. So we'll see, like I said, it's only been a couple months. So I'm excited to see how that will work out, you know, in like the next six months or a year, how I feel like I might've changed and grown. That's, uh, I was not expecting that, uh, complete of an answer, (laughs) (laughs) a a multi-pronged approach. Um, but that is, you know, Hey, if you're not going to take your own professional and personal growth seriously, who's going to do it for you? Right. That's right. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Beth. This has been a super insightful conversation. Uh, are you on Twitter or LinkedIn? Is there places that people can sort of follow you and, and learn about what you're up to? Yeah, so um, I am on LinkedIn. I I don't, I should be on Twitter more so, but I just, I'm not very good about that. But I am on LinkedIn, so anybody could hit me up there. Um, that's my only social That's okay. That's That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We'll stay in touch. Maybe hopefully at some point next year, we can sort of do a recap and see how the last sort of 12 months have gone with all the new stuff that you've been working on and, uh, and see, see what's new. That would be awesome. Alec, I really enjoyed my time with you and I hope to see you in San Francisco at some point. (laughs) Yes. uh, The coronavirus has delayed our trip there. 
but uh, it, it can hold us off, but not for long. That's right. Yeah. Well, I would love to meet up with you um, when you come down. And thanks again. I really, uh, I really had a great time. My pleasure. All right. All right. Talk soon. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the UXR Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about what we're doing with UXRConf Anywhere, or really just understanding what kind of talks you might expect if you do get a ticket, head on over to our YouTube channel. We've got a ton of talks available to watch for free from past UXRConfs. And there's a lot of great speakers, some of which are actually gonna be coming back again this year that we're excited to have. So head on over to YouTube and type in UXR Collective Check out the first result and you'll see a few playlists with all of our talks from last year. Take a look and if you enjoy it, we'd love to see you at UXR Conf Anywhere this year. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.